The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who comes from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, that no one, that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, I have two very early memories of my grandpa. Uh, One was from a family vacation we had taken where my grandma and grandpa took me and my sister to Mackinac Island. And we were in a hotel and one room. And so we decided that my grandmother and my sister would sleep in one bed, and me and my grandpa would sleep in another bed. And went to bed, everything was fine. But then at one o'clock in the morning, I remember it was one o'clock because as I was literally sailing through the air into the wall, I saw one o'clock turn on the, the digital clock. My grandfather had kicked me off the bed, probably a good 10 feet into the radiator wall. I fall on the ground having no idea what happened, and then a pillow comes, flies out, hits me in the head, and says, you're sleeping on the ground, you've been kicking me all night. All right? So that is memory number one of grandpa. He was a fairly grumpy dude. Right? However, I do have another memory that really also defines who my grandfather was. Uh, we were doing a project at my aunt's house, and he invited me to come along, and he needed a trailer, and a friend of his owned a trailer, and so we had been using that, and it kind of had a rickety hitch on it. And so after we were done with our project, my grandpa said, okay, we're going to go to the hardware store. And he bought a new hitch, and he's putting this hitch on his friend's trailer, and I got confused, and I said, but grandpa, I mean, it works fine. You didn't break it. Yeah, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but why are you fixing this? And he looked me in the eye, And he said, Josh, you should leave every situation better than how you found it. That concept really defined my grandfather's life. He loved to work on things. He loved to fix things. He loved to leave situations better than how he found them. And as we talk about our message today, that is really what we're going to be framing our conversation with. Is as we look at the series, You Are Here, 
Uh, and we've been actually doing this with the Axon Network. We've been looking at different aspects that God has created us in. And we talked the first week about our spiritual life and our connection to God and what that looks like. Last week, we talked about our relational life and how God brings different people into our lives for a purpose. But this week, we're going to talk about this concept of we are here in a physical world. We're here on planet Earth, and we're here on planet Earth for a purpose. But often as Christians, we have this distinction, we have these myths in our head that God really only cares about the spiritual. He only cares about heavenly things. He doesn't care about anything here on Earth. And yet, as we encounter Christ, as we follow Jesus and his early followers, we find out they didn't look at it that way. There wasn't this distinction between the spiritual and the physical. And so today, we're going to look at those kind of three major myths that the church has probably taught you at one point. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, they're lies. They're not what Scripture teaches. And we're going to look at it through a physical lens, through an earthly lens, right? So, myth number one. God's plan A didn't work out, uh, creating the world, so now we're on plan B, getting us to heaven, right? So if you look at Genesis, right, the story starts off and God creates the earth. And again and again and again, God says, I created to be good. He creates animals. He's like, that was an awesome idea. He creates the Grand Canyon. He's like, that was an awesome idea. He creates the stars and the skies. And over and over again, he says, it is good. Then he creates mankind. He gives us physical bodies, male and female. And he says, I'm going to create you in my image. And then he says, it is very good. The story goes on. God gives mankind a job. He says, I want you to be caretakers of this world. I want you to shepherd and caretake the oceans and the animals and the plants and everything. He goes, I've made this giant playground for you to develop and for you to take care of. And for a while, things are going great. In fact, we have this awesome harmony between mankind, the earth, and God. Scripture tells us that God would walk among the Garden of Eden. He would talk with Adam and Eve. And so we're all living in this harmony. It's this kumbaya moment. And we're like, this is awesome. And then, quite literally, everything goes to hell. Right? We decide, mankind, hey, guess what, God? We've got a better idea. Uh, We've got a better way to do things. Uh, we hear what you're saying, but we're going to take option B. And option B leads to everything falling apart. Right? All of a sudden, God no longer dwells with man, which is really the definition of hell, separation from God. Right? Mankind starts fighting. There's bitterness and bickering and anger between husband and wife and between their children. And even creation itself starts to rebel in the story, where things like thistles come up and God says, work this idea that you're going to caretake the world is going to be hard now. It's going to be sweat. Things like death show up in the story. And all of a sudden, it looks like God's plan A, design the world, gets off track. And so what the church will sometimes say is, so plan A didn't work, the earth, and so plan B was to rescue us from the earth, kind of like a, like a, a saving ship from a drowning ship, right? Get everyone onto this new one, and then we're going to take you to heaven. And heaven's the new plan. And so we have this distinction between God doesn't care about earth anymore. He doesn't care about the world anymore. He only cares about our spiritual side. And yet, when we encounter Scripture, we find out that isn't why Jesus came. Look at this from John 3, right? We just read this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Now, often Christians use this verse to talk about how God came to save souls, right? And certainly, God cares about our spiritual life, 100%. However, if that is why he came, purely for our spiritual aspect or purely just for mankind, if it was just to rescue us from this world, he used the wrong words. Jesus made a mistake, but Jesus doesn't make mistakes, right? For God so loved the world. The Greek there is cosmos. It's where we get our word cosmos from. And cosmos in Greek meant the material world. It meant the earth. It meant animals. It meant mankind. It meant everything God created. And so really, probably a better translation here would be, for God so loved his creation that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into his creation to condemn it, but in order that his creation might be saved through it. And you see this theme over and over and over again in Scripture, that God cares about the physical, that he cares about our bodies, that he cares about the creation that he placed us in. And so the truth isn't there's a plan A and a plan B. The truth is actually that God built us to be caretakers of the world. Sin destroyed it, but then Jesus came to give us back our roles, to put us back in right relationship with the physical world around us. He's trying to bring us back to plan A, not bring us into some new kind of plan. Right? So that's myth number one. And myth number two kind of falls through that. And it says, God cares more about our souls than our bodies. Now I imagine this one is really familiar to us in the church. Because when we think about church things, we think about things like prayer, or singing a song, or knowing something about Jesus, or knowing something about God, and it becomes this intellectual, this spiritual thing, and we begin to separate our lives, and we say, all right, so all of this churchy stuff is what God cares about, and all of this physical stuff, like eating, or hanging out with friends, or going to work, that's something separate. God doesn't care. He doesn't look at them in the same way. And we begin to differentiate ourselves almost into two separate beings. There's the spiritual side of Josh, and there's the physical side of Josh. What we see in Scripture, what we encounter, is that no, God designed all of us to work together. He doesn't look down and see two parts of Josh. He just sees me. He just sees you, and he designed you with a purpose. One of my favorite Scriptures comes from Psalm 139. And David is describing how God creates us. For you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Scripture tells us that God made us with a purpose. And the God who created the Grand Canyon, the God who created the stars, think for a moment the most beautiful site you've ever visited. Maybe it was somewhere in Europe. 
Maybe it was a beautiful canyon or a river, and you just think, wow, that is gorgeous, and you realize God made that. That same God who created that created you. Scripture tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The God of the universe who built everything spent time building you. And when we look at fearfully here, it's not like God was like, oh my gosh, I created Josh. What is going to happen? This is a bad, horrible mistake. No, the word fearfully here means respectfully or in awe. When God created you in your mother's womb, he was in awe of what he was doing. And he created you both spiritually but also physically. And he doesn't differentiate between those two things. He just sees you, all of you. And his relationship wants to be with all of you in all the different aspects of your life when you're at school, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're in the garden. He's constantly coming in and saying, I want to be a part of this. And I've placed you here on planet Earth in North Austin for a reason. And so the truth ends up being, God doesn't see a distinction between our bodies and our souls, but he designed all of us with great care. Right? So myth number one, plan A went uh, wrong, plan B is get us to heaven, no. Myth number two, that it's more about our souls than our bodies, no, it's about all of us. Which then kind of leads us to the last myth that we talk about in the church, which is nothing we do here on earth will last except making new uh, Christians. All right? And this one has some weird truth to it, because if you think about it, when we die, that's the end game, right? You either go up or you go down. And so this idea that realizing, hey, the most important thing, the central thing is to get as many people to know who Jesus is and to have a relationship with him, and so we're going to invest everything into that, nothing else matters. What's strange is Jesus didn't talk this way. His early followers didn't talk this way. Absolutely, they talked about what it meant to have a relationship with him, what it meant to know his story and how far he would go to have a relationship with us, to build new Christ followers. But when you follow Jesus, he spends most of his time healing people, bringing people outside of community into community. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is true religion is this. And if I were to ask most Christians, in fact, if I were to ask myself, and I would say, what is true religion? I could tell you all kinds of different things. I could say, well, it's praying once a day. Or it's reading your Bible X amount of times. Or it's going to church on Sunday. Or it's worshiping the correct way. Or it's a thousand other spiritual quote-unquote things. And yet, Scripture teaches us in James, true religion is this, taking care of the widow and the orphan. The widow and the orphan represented the marginalized in society. They were the most defenseless. They were the most hurt. They were the most unable to take care of themselves. And James writes to the church, true religion is taking care of them. True religion is raising them up is helping them realize that they are sons and daughters of God, created by God for a purpose. Scripture shows us that as Christians, God's plan to save the world was to make disciples who would change the world. Not to rescue us from it, 
Not to take us from it, not to separate us from it, but to engage it differently. To lean into the challenges and the hurts of a broken world. And we don't do this by our own power. We don't do this by our own strength. No, we pour the love that Jesus has poured into us and we say, because he loved me, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to use the same spirit that Jesus had, the Holy Spirit, to then love and serve and figure out what comes next. When we talk about the things we do here, the truth is what we begin here on earth ends up being completed in heaven. Sometimes we think nothing we do here is going to last. And yet Scripture says, no, what we build here gets paid forward into heaven. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he was talking about the actions that they do, the foundation that they were building on. And he describes a furnace. And God trying to purify our work here on earth that, gets st- that actually makes it into heaven. Hear these words. 1 Corinthians 3. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day. And he's talking about the end times, right? We'll disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer a loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one through fire. What Paul is saying is, hey, what we do here on earth matters. When we're following Jesus, when we are caretaking his world, that's that's the stuff that's going to survive the flame. And we don't do it perfectly, right? That's the whole point of a purifying flame. We all have some mineral deposits in us. We all have some impurities, and God says, that's all right. I'm going to clean it up on the next side. But still, the work we do here pays forward into heaven. And so as we talk about how we connect to the physical world, really where that leaves us is everyone is going to go from this building. And this week, you are going to see all kinds of brokenness. You might see trash on the street. You might see a family that isn't communicating very well together. You might see a coworker who is wrestling with depression or with anxiety. You might see another student who's being gossiped about, being cut off from community. And in that moment, we as Jesus folk have an opportunity to be able to be a part of God's rescuing the world. For God did not send his son in to condemn the world, but to save it. And how does God save the world? By sending Jesus' folk into it. By having the same influence that he had. Everywhere Jesus went, things got better. Everywhere Jesus' folk go, things should get better. In the same way that my grandfather tried to leave every situation, every tool better than where he found it, what would it look like if we as a church were to lean into North Austin and say, we believe God has sent us here, he has placed us here, he has built us fearfully, wonderfully, awful, aw- awfully, awfully, 
fully to make a difference. Think of what would change, how our workplaces would change, how our schools would change, how our communities would change. And the truth is God is calling us to that. He's not trying to draw us out of a physical world. He's trying to send us into it. John 3 starts off and it says, the flesh cannot save the flesh. You need the spirit to do that. And that's really the core of this myth is we think, okay, so flesh is bad, spirit is good. No. The earth couldn't save itself. So someone from heaven came down to add a new dynamic, to bring something new to the world, to make something new born. And that same spirit that made us born again is the same spirit that we pay forward to our friends, our family, our coworkers, our fellow students. And yet the truth of the matter is we don't do this very well. I don't do this very well. In fact, a lot of times my first reaction when I see a broken situation if I see a neighbor struggling or I see someone on social media in pain or a thousand other ways that I encounter something, often my natural reaction is to back away very slowly. Be like, this ain't my problem. If no one sees me here, I can go back to Netflix. If no one sees me here, it's not my issue. And yet, what we see in Scripture is that God says, no, any good that you leave undone is actually sin. Anytime we as Jesus followers don't lean in, don't do the good we know we ought to do, we're actually part of a problem of the broken world. And yet we have a God who says, it's not about you doing the work. It's not about you first reaching up to heaven to attain him. No, he says, heaven's going to come to earth. <clears throat> And so we're going to take some time and just in quiet, we're going to talk to God. We're going to be open with him about, you know what? We're broken. We've made mistakes. We haven't loved our neighbor as ourselves, and we certainly haven't loved you with everything we have. We're going to confess. And then we're going to receive forgiveness, both through word and through communion with him in the Lord's Supper. I ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you humbled that you didn't write the world off. Lord, that you didn't see all the brokenness, all the pain, all the hurt, and just say, you know what? It's not worth it. We're done. Father, instead, you leaned in. In fact, you came in. You put on flesh. Scripture tells us you pitched your tent among your people so you could have a relationship with us, so you could show us a different way. And even while we were still sinning, Scripture says, you died for us. Even while we were still in rebellion, you redeem us. And even now, when we leave undone the good you would have of us, you still invite us back into relationship with you and back into relationship with this world. Lord, I come before you now in quiet, um, both in confession, but also in humility and in awe of who you are. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.